Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, joined here by my co-host, the Zoobs. Leafs just finishing up an atrocious effort, a 6-1 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. Zoobs, what the hell happened tonight? The last few minutes of this game, to me, looked like when you really serve your buddy a beatdown in like NHL video games and he just puts the controller down for the last two minutes and you just sort of like, well, I guess I, guess I have free breakaways and, and total reign to take unguarded shots. Um, you know, I thought through two periods they actually played a pretty good game. I thought it was a pretty good road game through two, but once the wheels fell off, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I mean, the fact that it was only one nothing though, after one period was kind of lucky. I think even on both sides, really, there was a lot of good chances both ways, and both goalies, A, were getting lucky with, with some posts help, uh, but also both goalies making a few big stops as well. Uh, but you take a look at at the end of the game. That third period really was all she wrote for the fly for uh, for the Leafs. You know they they tied it. The Leafs tied it with a fluky goal, that Dermot goal that kind of just ramped up the stick of of Carter Hart, landed on his back and went into the back of the net. Similar to what we saw actually with Louis Deming uh, a couple of days ago or last night in uh, New Jersey, but. And then Philly just came back. They scored moments later to kind of retake the lead, and, and that was kind of it. Philly with five goals in the last nine shots of the hockey game. Uh, you take a look at the high danger chances in that third period alone. Philly outchancing Toronto 8-2, to 16-10 overall in the game. And uh, really that third period was just, that was the difference. And, you know, if, if you were somebody who just kind of saw the end score, you'd be like, oh, man, the, the Leafs must have really had a stinker. You know, Philly must have laid a beat down on him. I mean, not really. Like it was, it was a decent game, I guess. Like neither team really played extremely well. Like it was only one nothing going into the third, and then just kind of all hell broke loose in the last five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we saw some interesting things. We saw the Nylander Tavares Matthews line as a sort of uh, nuclear option at, at points in this game. I thought. Um, you know, there were some particularly bad performances from a couple of lines as well. I, I thought uh, a, a, an especially bad Cody Cece game, especially yes. when you look at some of the advanced numbers. And, you know, Hyman, Kerfoot, Kapanen didn't have a great night. Um, so, uh, you know, some things were tried in this evening, and, and a, lot of them, a lot of them just didn't work out. Yeah, it's funny, actually. I noticed that, too. Even the defensive pairings kind of got switched up a bit there in the third period. I saw Dermott uh, with Hall kind of regularly uh, out there in the third. Um, it's just, for me, there's a couple of patterns that we're starting to see in the Leafs' losses. Uh, missed opportunities offensively, whether it's just, you know, they're getting good looks but not, you know, effectively finishing on those looks. You know, I saw two or three easy backdoor tap-ins that they kind of just whiffed on. And if you get those at any point throughout the game, that's, that's two or three more goals that they would have scored, um, but just unable to to convert when they're in the offensive zone. And then on the complete other side, Leafs faltering in the D zone. Like, lack of coverage seems to always be uh, the reason for their losses. And I know that, that kind of makes sense when you think about it. Oh, they lost. Yeah, well, they played bad in their own end. No, duh. But, you know, you look at both the, the first goal from Lawton and then the game winner from Claude Giroux. You know, they're both direct results of terrible defensive zone coverage. And it's really starting to turn into a pattern for the Leafs. And that's that's got to stop. Yeah, and I thought the TSM panel at Intermission did a good job of pointing out as well that another game where turnovers really, really wreaked havoc 
Um, you know, in, in all three zones, including offensively, there were times when they had they had real chances to make something of their offensive possession, and it just sort of uh, trickled away and, and, and didn't turn into anything. So, um, you know, not a sustained effort. Not I think I think I would say, and I think probably agree with me, uh, probably the worst effort under Keith so far. Um, yeah, definitely. But also, you've been watching this team a long time. I've been watching this team a long time. Is there any more reliable letdown game than Tuesday night on the road? Every time yeah. Tuesday on the road is always garbage, and it doesn't matter who's in the roster and who's the coach. This is just always a game that they absolutely bottle, and this is no, no difference. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. Like, in the past, it really does seem like a Tuesday night game, this, it, it, it never goes well, like, no matter what. Um. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I never thought about that, but that's that's totally true. Um. Anything else that you kind of noticed or, or took from this game? Uh, you know, just as I said, I thought I thought, you know, out of the gate, I thought they were the better team. I thought it was a good road period where they made it sort of boring and back and forth. I'm happy to see the penalty kill continue to be pretty good. Yep. Uh. So there are some things to to look at and say. Uh. Pretty pretty happy and and you know. You can take away three of the garbage goals, which is which is you, maybe that's being generous, but you know it's a three-one loss to me. They said it a six-one loss. Oh, for sure. I mean, like those those final goals. One of them being uh, an empty netter, the other two being uh, just a disgusting goal from huh, uh, Shane Goss's bear, just kind of ripping one up. When I don't think even Freddie probably didn't expect a shot to be coming. It's like you're you're up four one. What are you doing with thirty yeah. seconds left, ripping one top shelf? Like well, what's wrong with you? Come on. And then again, James Van Riemsdyk against his old team gets a, a breakaway and puts one right between the legs. And next thing you know, it's it's a six one game, and it's like oh my god, which is funny too because I legitimately said when the score was four one after they scored that empty netter. I looked at my coworker and I said, I just feel like they're going to let one more in. I just feel it. And they ended up letting in two. So it just, it was, it was that kind of game for the Maple Leafs. And afterwards, a lot of them came out and they, they talked about how they can't do that. They folded on their goaltender and they kind of left him out to dry. And they're hoping that that leaves a quote unquote sour taste in their mouths for tomorrow when they got to go up against the Colorado Avalanche, which is going to be an even tougher opponent, uh, in my opinion. And not only that, it's going to be happening on their home ice with them resting up and waiting in Toronto already. So tomorrow is going to be even tougher uh, for the Leafs to get that. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But first, let's move on and let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly because there's certainly a lot of it, and we'll do that in just a moment. All right, welcome back to Locked on Leafs Podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside the Zoobs. Let's go through the good, the bad, and the ugly of this game. Not too much. That was good, but is there anything that you were able to pull through this one that you kind of liked a little bit? Uh, boy, it, it was tough. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think maybe you could say, I mean, Dermot scoring is nice, and, and his numbers are all looked looked pretty good. I, I guess good is sort of the, the word you have to use for it, where it was just good. Nothing was really great. Nothing really stood out. I actually thought before the onslaught of goals that Freddie Anderson played pretty well. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, I'll I'll give it. I'll give it to Dermot just for finding the score sheet. No, it wasn't pretty and wasn't 
wasn't great, but uh, they needed something there, and he was able to step up and provide it. I thought they had a good start to the game. I thought John Tavares also had a really good start. Um, I felt that all night he was pretty effective. He was up against the Giroux line most of the night, who was, you know, kind of left off the score sheet. The only time Giroux got the goal is when uh, they were up against Matthew, so they got a, a more favorable matchup in the defensive zone. Uh, something I found interesting, too, John Tavares. You know, we talked about the, the zone starts uh, and the difference between Babcock and Keefe where Tavares only had 50% of his zone starts in the offensive end this uh, in this game, and then 25% in the neutral zone, and 25% of his starts actually in the defensive zone. So, you know, he was he was decently effective in, in all, uh, all facets, and, uh, you know, on the ice for 50% of the team's high danger chances through the entire game, and, and he had a couple of them himself. You know, even you look at, um, even on the power play, had a couple of good chances in tight early on in the game, but wasn't able to finish. I thought Nylander had a pretty good game too as well, uh, all things considered. I thought that he was, you know, the better of uh, the that line there between Nylander, Matthews, and uh, Janssen. Uh, what was bad mm-hmm. for you tonight? Uh, I, I think, you know, Cody Cece was really, really, oh. really rough out there. It was, that's about as bad as you can have a one-game sample go. Totally um, agree. We are we are hitting a point here where this is a more common than not sort of thing, and he's somebody that you know we're not saying that everything reset with Keith, but he certainly hasn't looked like he is a different player under Keith. He it doesn't look like it, it is any better of fit than it was at any other point. I'm not sure you know what the ceiling is here, and and, and he continues to be somebody that receives about 20 minutes of ice time a game against top competition. Something's gonna have to give there, and and he's either going to have to get bumped down or someone else is going to have to prove that they can get dump, bumped up because it is just not happening. In, in, in t- almost 21 minutes of action full, like, you know, no, uh, not just five on five, but in all circumstances, four attempts for and 29 against. That is really, really rough. Uh, no scoring chances for, nothing really, like, to, to hang on. Uh, they were in trouble basically the whole time he was on the ice, and, and that's been a theme. So that's one place that it's going to be a very identifiable must-upgrade for this team if they want to achieve something going forward. Well, just look at the game winner. I mean, Cody Cece just head on a swivel. had no like He was just watching the play. Had no regard for what was going on in front of the net. The fact that Giroux was just parked out in front. And then the puck goes out and Cece's just sitting there. He's not doing anything effective except screening his own goaltender, and, uh, you know, that results in, in the game winner. So Cody Cece, um, yeah, he that was that was an awful game uh, all around. And then uh, just, you know, I, I also had him in my bag category. And, uh, yeah, you, you kind of took the words out of my mouth, just, you know, why it was so bad. Something interesting that I kind of thought about today, and now I guess it's kind of a, a wrong uh, time to do it, or you can't really do it right now, maybe – when uh, Marner was on LTIR and they kind of had a little bit of, of cap room to do it, but at this point they don't. Um, you know, sitting CC, give him a healthy scratch, call up, let's say, either if you want to play Marincin or even maybe call up Sandine and, you know, have a lineup without CC and kind of see what it looks like, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and A, you either see what it looks like and then you could try and move CC or, you know, send him down to the minors or, I don't know, just get this guy off of the ice like as soon as possible. 
Um, but <laughs> at this point, it's it's too late because, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment, but you know, Marner's coming back and they're going to be right up against the cap again and they're not going to be able to hold any extra guys. So everyone that's on the team is going to have to play and that's going to be Cody Cece, who, by the way, in case you, were, you forgot, carries a $4.5 million cap hit. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking yeah. of ugly, CC's cap hit is ugly. <laughs> uh, but no, for ugly for for me, and I think we probably probably the same thing. But you know that third period just in, in general, Absolutely. and, and yeah. that ending was just super ugly. It, it went from bad to ugly really in those final couple of minutes too. Um, just some terrible turnovers throughout the entire game. Uh, ugly zone coverages. Matthews also a very bad game for him. You know, you look at the first goal, that was a Matthews turnover in his own end. You look at the second goal, Matthews lost Giroux, and he was able to walk out in front and score that goal uh, w- without him kind of sticking to him. So, you know, just I, I, I don't. Uh, this is a couple of games now in a row, or, or a stretch of games of two, two of three, or three of four now, where Matthews has kind of gone, gone back to being the the lazy Matthews that we were seeing back when uh, when we were criticizing him when Babcock was the coach, and now I'm, I'm kind of getting a little worried. Like maybe this is actually Matthews. He's just kind of a lazy player, and you're only gonna get the best of him. Uh, one in every five games. Yeah, you know, it's something that, again, I'll, I'll give the credit to the panel, sort of addressed is, you know, maybe he is a, a one-way guy. Maybe he is going to be somebody that is all offense. But I also think, you know, he's someone that, you know, you're prone to seeing six, seven, maybe ten games a year where he's just bottom of the barrel. But when he brings it, he is among the upper echelon in the league, the, the real question is, and you touched on it there, you know, what is he? And, and maybe this is just who he is. I, it reminds me back to you talking about Jack Eichel and me not letting you get away with it. But, you know, Eichel's a three-zone guy. Eichel's a full 60 guy. Eichel's an all-situation guy. And Matthews and, to a lesser extent, Marner, but these guys are being paid in that echelon of, of – every situation franchise cornerstones and if they can't do it at all ends of the ice that's that's a real problem for the way this team is built it certainly so there's you know something's got to change here and we got to start seeing some more consistency out of these guys or those cap hits are only going to be magnified more and more as we uh as we approach the the playoffs and as they start to fall out of the playoffs a little bit more like as of now we're not in a playoff spot if that continues sure. to happen, you know, listen, we're we're paying you guys to go out there and get us into the playoffs. And if you're taking, you know, two out of five games off, that's not going to turn out well for you. You got to win more than that, and you got to play better than that if you're going to go out there and and literally demand ten point eight million dollars and eleven point six million dollars. So that's you know, th- these stars have have got to start playing, and uh, they they got to start getting consistent. Um, speaking of Mitch Marner, he is going to be back likely tomorrow uh, against the Colorado Avalanche, and we'll get into that game and preview that one in just a moment. All right, welcome back to Locked On Least Podcast. Mike DiStefano here alongside the Zoobs. All right, the ugly, ugly game between the Leafs and the Flyers tonight. Let's put that in the rearview mirror. It's over. Just like the Leafs said, 
you know, hopefully that was the worst of it, and we could put that in the rearview mirror and look forward to Colorado tomorrow night. And that's what we're going to do, too. And they got some reinforcements coming. Mitch Marner most likely to return to the team. How big of a boost do you think that's going to be? I'm really excited to see it. I think I think with the way, I mean, maybe not tonight, but with the, with the way this team is supposed to play and, and with sort of the lineup that they could put out there in front of Sheldon Keefe, I think he's somebody that absolutely fits into how they say they want to play and, and how they are at their best. So, you know, I'm interested to see how he's deployed. I'm interested to see how he's feeling. Um, I think it potentially, as well, in the locker room and just as an attitude thing, could be a real boost for some of these guys who have been going through a bit of malaise, we could say, in the last few games. Um, and that's something that, you know, Buffalo was a, was a tough defensive team to play, and, and we saw them sort of run out of gas tonight. So, yeah, I, I do think there's a chance this, this goes uh, quite a long way for them, and it is always welcome to see one of your best offensive playmakers get a chance to come back into the fold. And I'm excited to see what he can do under Shelton Keep's system where they kind of allow more run-and-gun um, effective uh, style of play where he can go out there and be as creative as he possibly wants to be and as, as he can be because we know that Martin's a really creative player. He's, he's an outstanding offensive whiz kid. Uh, but the problem here with the team is, once again, they're right up against the cap, which means they got to drop three players off their current roster right now. Who are you going to drop? I mean, so Shore got sent down today, so you would assume that he's probably going to be the one. I mean, Merchant got called up as well, but I assume that they'll probably send him down as well. So there's three players that you got to drop off, and here's a list for you, and I want you to pick three that you're going to send down. Pierre Engvall, Marty Merchant. Uh, Nick Shore, Nick Patan, Jason Spezza, or Freddie the Goat? You got to pick three. Who are you sending down? Okay, I think Marincin, uh, because if you really need to add defensive depth, Marincin's a known quantity. We know exactly what we're getting out of him. Uh, you know, if you're going to have to add a defensive depth, you, I think you'd rather see Rasmus Sandin uh, make that jump. So Marincin, no problem. I think he's probably clear waivers a bunch of times already this year. Uh as well, I think Nick Patan, I, I, I know we always hear that, you know, there's interest in Nick Patan, but he manages to clear waivers every other week. I think that's another guy you can pretty safely pass through and not worry too much about. And I'm going to go with Nick Shore. I, 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 I like Nick Shore. I thought he, he has had some good moments, but I, I like Engvall. I think Engvall's the guy especially under Keefe with that trust they've established. I think he's the guy that they're looking to develop into somebody who sticks at that level for now. Now you're going to have to get rid of one more guy, too, because technically Shore's already down. So that's Marinch and Patan. Shore's already down. The big question here, I think, is between, uh, you know, whether or not you send down Pierre Engvall, because I've kind of liked him since he's come up. I thought that he's played really well, but he is one of the players that does not require waivers. Whereas, you know, Timoshov, Gauthier, they kind of require waivers, Spets as well. And those are players who, if you send down, there's not a good chance of them making it through, and somebody will probably pick them up. So you can send down Engvall. You can send down Marincin, sure. I'm not sure about Patan. He's gone down before, which means he might still be waiver eligible, um, which means he wouldn't have to clear. i, I got to double-check that. But these are guys who you can send down and not worry about losing. 
Uh, you could just kind of put them down into the minors. But a couple of these other guys, you know, you, you don't want to lose Timishaw for nothing. Gauthier, you know, he's up and down, but he he's kind of a big physical role that you can toss him in certain situations and, and he can excel. You know, so it's it's tricky. I, I think Engvall, although he's played really well, might be the odd man out just based on how um, his contract, the fact that he's a two-way and he doesn't have to go through waivers. That's, that may, I mean, that makes sense, and, and, and in terms of, you know, lineup management, that's probably the, the lowest risk play. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that is a, a very logical way to, to, to chop it up, and I, I think the difference ultimately between most of the forwards we're talking about here is really minimal. Nobody that I have seen is really going to be uh, a game winner or a game loser, and... and you know the real the real needle mover is is bringing Marner back into the fold. Yeah, and something that's actually going to be interesting too is that we're going to get a new lineup. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw this, but looks like Ilya Mikheyev is going to officially take over Hyman's spot in the second line left wing spot. So it's going to be uh, Mikheyev, Tavares, and Marner as the second line, and then Hyman, Kerfoot, and Kapanen as the third line. How, how do you feel about that? Well, I didn't like them against Philly. I'll, I'll say that. Oh, much. that that third line. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't really notice them at at all. And when I did, it, it was negatively. I think I think Mikheyev's earned that spot, and I think I'm. I, I think that could work. I, I've liked the way Ilya has played. For large stretches of this year, he obviously doesn't have this finishing skill that we saw him flash in the early going. But he's a competent well, player that Russian. can do a lot of the things. But uh, yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's a good place to bring Marner back along, and I, I really do believe uh, that that's probably going to be a good fit. But also, um, you know, we've seen willingness to change it up if it's not working. So it's a, it's a good fit in my eyes to start with. Uh, but if it doesn't stick, I wouldn't be surprised either. Did that joke go right over your head, or did you not hear me? I, I, I got I got washed out a little bit with our new audio setup. <laughs> so, yeah, well, you just said that McCabe's not finishing at all right now, and I, like he was before. I said, well, that's because he's Russian. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's the lamest dad joke of all time, but I thought it, it deserved really at least is. a chuckle. <laughs> and he just went right by it, and I was just like, oh, man, I, I thought I could get at least a little chuckle out of it. I was on a roll. I was on a roll. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but, yeah, actually, it, now that you mention it, uh, Hyman, Kerfo, and Kapitan, they did kind of get get uh, started early tonight because Spezza ended up taking Marner's spot. And, and that was really the indicator that Marner is going to be back tomorrow, the fact that they put Hyman, Kerfo, and Kapitan together and then put Spezza up there kind of as the placeholder. Um, but, yeah, Hyman, Kerfo, and Kapitan, uh, I thought that this line – you know, when it was originally put together, it was like, oh, I like this. This will be a nice high-energy line. I think that they'll be able to to do a lot of good things. But not that good tonight, right? Absolutely not, yeah. Um, no, I, I thought they were disappointing. I, I thought it was disappointing to see that either return, uh, to sort of see Kerfoot working his way back in. I, I expected uh, a little more out of that line, especially with how good Kapanen had been lately and, and how much, you know, credit Hyman gets for, for driving some of the lines he's on it. It seemed like the recipe for a line that would work, but it just didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see still early. They got tons of time to try mm-hmm. and develop some chemistry uh, tomorrow night. Hopefully, you know, something clicks and 
Kurt Van Kappenen uh, can go in on uh, on a nice little two on one and get themselves a goal. <laughs> Let's see that happen. Or Hyman get a nice you know chip it in. Hyman chase after it and then Kappenen go to the net. Hyman feeds it from the corner. Goal. Let's see all that happen. Beautiful. Draw it up. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, real quick, so this discussion kind of ha- was on uh, the TSM panel tonight. I want to get your thoughts on it. So tomorrow, as we know, is the second night of back-to-back. Michael Hutchinson earlier in the week was was said that he was going to play uh, on the Wednesday night game against Colorado here in Toronto. But now after this showing, what are your thoughts on maybe playing Freddie on a back-to-back? Oh, I don't think I don't think. I don't think both games you need you need Freddie. Uh, you know, when we get a little further into the year and it, and it really becomes a panic for points, I can see that. I, I think in no in December you can still be a little more patient and 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 still give him the time uh, you know to rest and to be ready for the inevitable playoff run because this still is a team with designs on being a playoff team and they're going to need him. Uh, to not be burnt out when that time comes. And I, I really think uh, it's not quite necessary yet, as disappointing as it has been, we've said many times, to only have gotten one point out of your backups at this point. Calling it an inevitable playoff run at this point might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> well, a push towards a playoff. A push towards a playoff. Uh, fair enough. Um, so tomorrow also is going to mark Kadri's return to the Scotiabank Arena. I expect for him to be all over the place. It was one thing to play the first game against your team, but now to be coming back to Toronto in the Scotiabank Arena. You know, he's from, uh, he's, you know, a good Ontario kid from London, not too far from Toronto. So I expect him to have a lot of friends and family there. And he's going to make want to make a pretty good impression on on. The fan base be like, hey, look, hey, remember me? I'm super effective. So uh, I, I could see him making a, a nice return to Toronto. He's going to get a good standing ovation. But then after that, I'll be curious to see if they boo Kadri or if they'll just let him play hockey because it that's not how Toronto works. And it doesn't matter if you're traded away or what. He'll get the standing O when you know he gets his tribute video. And then after that, I don't know. I kind of get the sense that he might get booed. Really? I really, I, I did not expect that at all, but uh, interesting. I, I, it could be, you know, his two suspensions did end up being pretty big deals. Right. Uh, I, I think that's why, very because, interesting. It just, because it ended yeah. so poorly. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's not a huge stretch to see him uh, getting his nose dirty early in this game and, and getting riled up, so... Yeah, that, that's a very interesting theory. That remains to be seen. You've been right about a lot of stuff this year, so I'll, I'll give you that one too. <laughs> was it Kadri when he got drafted or when he got traded? Uh, they were talking to him like, "Oh, what, you know, what are you gonna say?" You know, the first time that you're playing the Leafs, he said something like, "Oh, if I see Mitchie going over the middle, I'll be sure to lay a nice hit on him or something like that." And <laughs> Not surprised. Mar- and Marner didn't play in the first game between the two because he was injured, but he's gonna be in the lineup tomorrow. Apparently, he probably will be. I'll be curious to see if Kadri uh, takes a little bit of a run at Marner. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, all in good fun. <laughs> not 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 a dirty play or anything like that. But yeah, we'll see if he tries to rile up his team. Uh, three keys for the Leafs to try and defeat the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow night. Uh, Got to get Austin Matthews going. Number one. Yeah. This is this is what three games in a row where he's been 
either not noticeable or bad. Uh, that can't happen. He's the number one guy, and uh, it's it's gotten past the point where you can sort of shrug it off. It's it's become a talking point. It's become noticeable, and this is usually about the time when he responds with a three-point game, and that needs to happen, especially with, as you mentioned, the emotions of Kadri being back and how much attention this game will have. I think also just, you know, the whole team needs to put in a 60-minute effort. We've seen them in spurts where they've been really good. You know, like tonight, I thought the first first little bit of that game, they were really good, really effective, and then they fell off as the game went on, and then ugh, that, that, that last three minutes was just awful. Uh, but but a full 60-minute effort is something that we still are looking for out of the Maple Leafs. And if they can do that, I think that they can win on any given night. And when you're going up against one of the, the top teams in the league, such as Colorado, you're certainly going to need that type of effort. So a full 60 tomorrow. Uh, one other thing I think, they got to try and limit that top line. Um, Nathan McKinnon, he we all know that he's a world-class player. Miko Rantanen is back with the team, which is something that we didn't see last time when they were in Colorado a couple of weeks ago. So you're adding another potentially 100-point player to that offense. They're really going to have to try and limit that top line. Uh, what's another one for you? Uh, we'll say it again. Win one for Hutch. Come on. <laughs> you're going to say that every start. Every start, win it for Hutch. going to have to be responsible. It just... It's just going to have to be defensively responsible and bail him out. And Yeah, I would love to see him make a save or two that he shouldn't make. I would just love it. How hard? How hard would that be? How great would that be to see him make a couple big saves? Apparently it's really hard because he hasn't been able to do it yet. So, (laughs) (laughs) To me, this is make or break. If if he gives up four goals in this one, that's, that's enough. I've seen enough. What's your prediction? Does he make it or does he break it? I'm afraid to say I don't know. Oh, that doesn't sound it. positive. I know. What is team? This team. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this is a tough spot. Colorado's a tough team. Money on the board for Kadri. Um, backup goalie. It feels like three-one Avalanche. Three-one Avs. Oh, that's a pretty good score. That's a pretty good score. I'm gonna have a little bit more optimism. I think that tonight especially after the way that things ended. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth. I think they're going to come out uh, really strong and kind of keep it going. I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, I think your 3-1's a good call. I'm going to go a little bit more. I'm going to go 3-2 Leafs win in overtime. Ooh, okay. 3-2 like overtime that. win. Yeah. I have faith in Hutch. Come on. Let's get it done. That's going to be tough, obviously. <laughs> Going up against McKinnon, Rantanen, Kale McCarr, an unbelievable, potentially uh, Norris-caliber rookie defenseman. Like, There's a lot of offensive firepower, so they, they really are going to have to try and limit that offense as much as they can. Definitely going to have to stay disciplined, too, because you know, you, anytime a team has an unlimited amount of offense, they can usually put the puck in the back of the net when you're up by a man. So let's try to stay disciplined. Just something that I felt that they've actually done rather well under, under Keefe. Um, All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Lockdown Leafs Podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And follow Zoobs at the underscore Zoobs. All right, be sure to check back in here tomorrow where we'll be recapping the game against the Abs. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.